Hello, my beautiful friends. I am so excited for today's episode with the gorgeous Emily Bingham. And she runs this whole movement called Move Through, and it's about grief. And she's created this vortex of healing after losing her husband to cancer. And I met her in a mastermind that I'm currently in and just connected with her on our stance of grief and, you know, the rebirth after death and, you know, she's dating again and what that looks like and, you know, turning your grief into your message and survivor's guilt and what that feels like and really sharing her inside process of how she went from, you know, doing workouts to then creating coaching, this creating this coaching company to creating this vortex of like memberships and healing and bringing people back to the light of life after grief and, Y'all know I talk about this, um, you know, after losing my mom and other people in my life. It's it's something you don't, like, people are like, time heals all wounds. It, it, with death of someone you love so much, it's not that it goes away. You just get better tools of navigating it. Like, it, it hits you in waves sometimes, and some days it goes. And I would love to be like, ugh, it gets, you know easier and things like this. And it kind of does, but it doesn't go away, right? Like you just kind of learn to walk with it. You're just new. You're new with this part of yourself. And Emily is just a light. She is, she is literally an earth angel meant to do this work. And I'm so excited for this conversation and what came through for us. And she's just one of my soul sisters. So I'm so, so excited to bring this to y'all. Um, and yeah, I wanted to do a little catch up before we jump into it, but so it has been the wildest <laughs> December. Last, I mean, just the last three months, I have been in five countries. And it's been a lot, but it has been so expansive. And that was that was the plan of this whole single girl trip that I started six months ago to heal myself and find myself and ultimately found sexy man <laughs> in the process. And you know, falling for someone and he's actually I'm gonna pick him up at the airport tonight. So I'm I'm so excited come into our little intimacy vortex. Um, but I was just in Japan visiting my brother and I haven't seen my brother in four years because of the pandemic and everything. And he has become a husband and a father in the process. And to see him in that chapter, I kid you not, I feel like my heart is shaped differently. My brother has always been the most stable person in my life. He has been the most accepting person of me. He has taught me love, but there's only so much you can get through the phone. And so being in that energy, doing the work that I've been doing over the years around masculine energy, and then being in this container with a man who raised me essentially since I was 16 years old and has always accepted me. And I, and I forget that sometimes. I forget to go where love flows easily. I forget to go where, you know, the full acceptance. It's like it's like my brain wants to go towards the things that are hard because that's what I've known is like this like struggle for love instead of the flow of love. And that's something I've been really leaning into these last six months. And, you know, to see that come in at this time and then, you know, being in the presence of my niece and she's five months old now and I anyone that has nieces and nephews like it just changes you like my mission just got bigger especially for the female population and showing up in such a different way and wanting to pave this way and making sure that I'm a part of her life and that requires my business to grow at a certain scale and the global impact that I desire so that she has that you know and my why just got so much bigger from this trip and so y'all are gonna see some up levels y'all know that we have the reclamation coming out this week this is a three-day epic experience and i just was on the phone with my mentor talking about everything i'm feeling inside of my body and how i am and what i want to bring and how i want to change how master classes are done and i want to create these online experiences not just that you learn something yes you'll learn but like my biggest thing is to experience life in the process of healing to bring back the joy to bring back the delight to bring back the pleasure and so i'm bringing that into this online container it's going to be extraordinary it's going to be amazing and it's free Y'all, it's going to be free until December 23rd. If you're listening to this after, you can still buy it. 
um, I believe the price is going to be four four four. We'll see. It might go up just because of how much is going to be inside of it. Um, but I wanted to do something free to close out the year to really talk about the codes of finally healing the energy leaks that from your relationship that you haven't been looking at because you've been building your career. I'm in a lot of containers with high level achievers, six, multi six, seven figure, eight figure business owners and relationships seem to have been put to the wayside and as they build their careers and it's like, we don't want to look at the shadow because it's too heavy and it's something I'm really fucking good at and being able to balance and being able to do these things. So I I'm excited to bring this to you. I'm excited to share these three days with you to give you this ultimate experience to this, like have you feel my heart in this and how I live life. And it has been my biggest year yet. And to share the behind the scenes of that is such a gift and a delight and to bring that to you. So I'm going to put that in the show notes and invite you to that. If you're interested, invite a friend and then let's get into this podcast. It's going to be tender. It's going to be raw. It's going to be real. If you're going through something, it's the light at the end of the tunnel to show you, to guide you. What's on the other side of leaning in, of moving through? And so I'm going to put all the information for Emily in the show notes. You can go find her over on Instagram. I should have pulled this up before I did this. Um, her Instagram is just Emily P. Bingham. I should have known that. You can look up move through and I'm going to put that in the show notes and... Yeah, I'll see you on the other side. I love you. You are listening to the Healing to Happy podcast, a podcast where we have hard conversations that slay shame. It's about leaning into the vulnerability and reclaiming your bravery. I am Laura Patricia Martin, a trauma specialist who created this podcast to help women like you collapse the walls built up around their hearts due to the shame and trauma and life experiences, to have conversations we may be struggling to have with those around us so that we can break down the walls that are holding us back from living this bold, juicy, brave life. Here, myself, my guests, and my friends share their journeys of rebirth to help us get out of our own way, build authentic relationships and heart-centered businesses and dance proudly into our fullest expression. I believe that when we bring light to a shadow, find richness within the in-between period with women who understand us, co-regulation occurs, safety is imprinted, and we begin to set the tone for limitless potentiality. I am so honored to be here with you. So let's begin. Hi, my dear. How are you? I am great, Laura. It's so good to be here. Thanks. I'm so excited. Like, I have such a, like, girl crush on you inside of our mastermind. I'm like, Same. I'm like, she's fucking revolutionary. I love it so much. I'm excited to dive in here deeper and uh, bring you to my community and all that kind of stuff. And before we jump in, before you get to introduce yourself, Miss Emily Face Pants, um, I like to start with asking people what are they currently healing their way to happy on so that we can dismantle this belief of these experts and these people all having their shit together it's like no like what are you currently healing your way to happy on now let's go yeah that. yeah so a big one for me oh I feel like I could talk the whole podcast about this one <laughs> but um so for me, I recently discovered through therapy that I dissociated after my husband's death, which dissociation is a trauma response where your brain basically like shuts off and it's like, it says, I'm not going to feel this. This experience is too painful, too much. So I'm just going to like block this whole experience out. So I like didn't feel a lot around my husband's death. I didn't, uh, I just felt really disconnected for like almost a year and a half. And, um, the thing about dissociation is you're like, Oh, well that probably sounds good. It, like your body blocks you from feeling the pain. Well, yes. And you also feel blocked from the really beautiful experiences in life, like love and joy and excitement. And, um, so what I'm really healing now is, um, 
this wall that my heart has built that kind of blocks out a lot of the love in terms of romantic relationships with men. And even with my kids at time, I felt unable to attach. I felt unable to, um, to really like feel connected. And so part of the healing work that I'm doing is figuring out how to dismantle this beautiful wall that was put there to protect my heart, um, but to allow more of the pain in and at the same time, allow more love in because they are all connected. So that's what I am working on healing right now. I love you. And I love that. Cause it's like wit now, like I have a better understanding. Cause I witness you like stepping into this portal of like deep celebration and deep love and deep gratitude and dating and experiencing these kind of things. And to now have that kind of background being like, holy pickles girl, like you're doing it. Like you're looking at it, you're witnessing, you're ex like expanding in that. Cause it is so common, especially with loss or trauma or things like that. It's like shield. Let me put shield up to therefore protect. And it's like, yes. And it's like, yes, you're protected, but you also don't get that like orgasmic, ex exactly. ecstatic kind of joy. So yeah. What my therapist says is that the wall, you know, the wall is there as a protector, but we have to kind of be aware of it. Once it turns into a persecutor, it can be both from, it can go from protector into persecuting you like really easily. So yeah. Yeah. I think that's so big. And I definitely do want to dive into that more inside the podcast, but before we jump into it, can you please let my people know who you are, <laughs> what magic you're bringing and moving through this world? Um, yes. Okay. So my name is Emily. I am the founder of my coaching business, Move Through. Move Through um, originally started out as like a little intention-based workout that I would host for anyone who had experienced a loss at my local spin studio. We would go into a little dark room, turn on music to help us move through our emotions. You didn't have to talk about it. You just had to feel it. And since then it's evolved into a coaching business with all different types of programs. Um, but the idea is to basically support and empower anyone who has experienced a loss through movement mindset and giving them a community to tap into. And the body keeps the score, you know, that's exactly that's the thing. That's the exactly. So yes, after, um, my husband passed away in March, 2019. I found that exercise was my main outlet for moving through grief. And at the time I felt like it was a way for me to really address the grief. What I learned later is that it was probably more of a way for me to escape it. And so um, what I do now with my clients and with myself is finding ways to really embrace movement, but you really have to bring the intention component into it as well so that you're not just escaping the feeling, but it was very effective to help me move through the anxiety and the anger and just all that big energy that comes after a loss. So mm -hmm. I love that. And, it, and it's so true. It's like when you feel some type of loss, I know I experienced this with my mom, there aren't words right? So it's like you want to somehow get it out of your body, but you don't necessarily know because people keep telling you to go to therapy and you're like, I'm just sitting in therapy, staring at the stranger being like, I don't know what I'm fucking feeling. Like, I don't know, right. you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm sad. And I don't know why people tell me I should be happy. Like they're in a better place. <laughs> and it's like, I don't, there aren't words. And so your body like has this expression and sometimes we don't get it right. You know, when we're first doing it, it's like literally trial and error, you know, as you go through right. it to have a guide in those moments, I think is so fucking powerful. So powerful. exactly. And Laura, like the same thing happened to me. Like I would go to therapy because everyone was like, oh my gosh, like you need to be in therapy. So I was like, okay, I'll go. So I went and I would talk about my loss and that was a great, you know, hour to have every week to just process all of the complex thoughts and feelings that were coming up. But after the hour was up, I would leave. And I was like, I just would still feel off. Like I, I felt like there was still just all this energy that needed to be released somehow. And so I needed a space to tap into the emotional, the emotional memory and trauma that was stored in my body. And that was absolutely through movement. So that's why I love like somatic healing is because it taps into both brain and body. Oh my God. Yeah. And, and so what was it like? I want to know if you went through this because 
I didn't realize that that's what I was doing. Like I got hyper obsessed. I lost so much weight so fast because I just wanted to shrink. Like I was like, I don't, I don't want to exist, you know, Mm -hmm. but I didn't necessarily, it wasn't the connection to my body that you're speaking of. It was more so escapism and disassociation, what we were touched on earlier. And so moving through that transition, because again, there's no right way to grieve. Um, but I do see it commonly, at least in my line of work, a lot of people take out it, take it out on their body. And so my thing that I always talk about is like, how do we get back into the body? How do we become a living sanctuary so that we can actually feel these things? And it's not as scary, but like, what was that like for you moving from disassociation to now intentional movement? Um, I mean, well, so that act- that awareness only came with therapy for mm-hmm. me. So I am really grateful that I worked, like I I switched therapists um, about, I I worked with one for like a year and then I took a break and then I began working with a new one. She's actually a Jungian analyst and we um, analyze my dreams and do a lot of work around the subconscious, which makes sense because it's the subconscious thoughts and emotions that are the ones that get stored in our bodies, right? So um, I guess it, it really started out with the awareness component. And then she, she, she would help me just, yeah, bring it back into my body, like noticing the patterns where I was escaping all the time, which was interesting because my work, my business, I started it because my husband died. Right. And it gave me a lot of meaning and purpose, which helps soften the pain around his death. And so that's great. That's beautiful. Right. And at the same time, I started to notice that I was using it as an escape. It was a way to escape the pain because it was like this gilded world of like, wow, I turned something really awful into something really beautiful. So it almost blocked me from feeling the pain. Mm -hmm. So having the awareness that like you're escaping into work, Emily, you're escaping into the workouts physically. Um, And so what the shift that needed that I needed to make was finding stillness finding time to slow down, finding time to really say, Emily, like, yes, you have created this life, this beautiful life. You found meaning, you found purpose, you're thriving, right? And can you just sit in the shadow? Can you sit in the darkness and in the tragedy of the fact that this event actually ruined your life? And that's, I mean, that's what I've had to like really tell myself because I'm a naturally optimistic person. I'm an Enneagram seven. We tend to bypass pain. We tend to bright side every experience. So the healing work for me and the coming back to my body was really in the slow, in the mess, like just really getting into that darkness and being like, oh, like this was really awful. Um, And trying to sit in that reality. Mm, Yes. This is why I have a girl on you. Same. Like it's, it's one of those things that I saw, or I, I, I see with clients, I see with myself, it's like, well, if I sit in that, will it stay? And will that take away from my joy? Not understanding that you can be yeah. on the floor, on your knees, grieving, angry, punching the pillow, screaming, smacking the pillow, doing whatever the fuck you need. And in an hour, you can be fine. You can be happy. Like, and you can have joy and sadness at literally the same moments. Like those, yeah. this, those coincide together. And I witnessed that like with my mother, it's like, especially in this season, in this chapter, because it is around the time when she passed away, where it's like, I can be so fucking angry at how it happened and what happened. And also so happy that this is how the business or the conversations I get to have. It's like, what the (laughs) fuck? (laughs) (laughs) I know it's crazy. And I think you touched on something really key there that I feel is very alive for me, um, where you said you almost you're afraid of going there because you feel like it's going to stick or it's going to take away from the goodness that you've worked so hard to achieve. And I think the fear is a big one for me. And it's, um, you know, part of the dream work I did is that I had a reoccurring dream since a childhood. And I think it's, you know, some of the patterns that we um, establish in childhood absolutely show up in the way that we deal with hardship. And so I've always just kind of suppressed. I've always kind of minimized my situation and said, you know, it's okay, Emily, suck it up. You got it. Like just keep pushing through. And so 
yeah, like the, the, the fear of going into the darkness very much exists for me because it's been an unknown from childhood all the way up to my adult life. Like I've never been taught how to enter into these spaces. And I think I see that with my clients as well. It's like, I'll have widows come in like two months after their husband died and they're like, well, no, it's okay. I just want to choose happiness. And I'm like, yes, of course. And like, let's like allow ourselves, let's just like dip our toes into the pain and you can always take them out. But it's like, we have to like almost learn how to go there and create safety in these spaces um, because it's scary as hell. And the fear is subconscious too. So you might not even know that you're avoiding, right? But it's just like our body's so, so smart and and clever and they can, they want to protect us so much and keep us safe from the pain. But yeah, the pain is where the transformation happens. Exactly. It's the knees on the floor being like, this is somehow beautiful. You know, it's like, because we live in a society that it's like, oh, if you're crying, like, that's not okay. And like, of course, Mm -hmm. the only times we're actually allowed to be like crying and like scream, like I call it sacred rage within my program, where it's like, we're only allowed to scream while giving childbirth or with a loved one dies. You know, Mm. we're not ever else allowed to like express this because as a society, we're supposed to, you know, be acceptable. We're supposed to be seen, not heard. That's basically how yeah. it's like, actually, when we witness our pain, it's not this, we're not stuck, you know, it moves no. it through. And yes, it can be scary. Yes. This is why breath work is fucking bananas to me. Cause I'm like, holy <laughs> fuck, what just happened to my body? But like, it really is this like weird ass release that you don't even know is stuck in your subconscious programming that your body had stored. Like, I remember the first time I did breath work in my body like I swear to God my neighbors thought I was getting murdered like God bless their cotton socks for not coming over and like wrecking the door because I was like I can't even stifle this and I don't really want to either right and yeah and then like I came out of breath work and I was like whoa like what <laughs> what was that what just but, happened but it needed to like how you were talking about like spin and being in the dark like I used to go to spin class and I would just start crying and literally my friend would like look at me and she's like why are you crying like what is happening and but because yeah. trauma stored in your hips so if mm-hmm. I'm moving my hips in such a way or like when I would do yin yoga I would just be like bent over and like pigeon pose like sobbing and I'm like what the fuck is happening yeah. mm-hmm. and then understanding this whole like what you're talking about moving through that pain and doing it in such a way like yes maybe it is being in pigeon pose looking like that person that's crying over a tennis ball but like <laughs> It's also like being the crazy person in their house. Like what way can I look at this without using it as a definition of self that I am no, like I'm not worthy that my, my happiness won't come back or things of that nature. It's like, no, your pain actually like shows you what true happiness is on the other side, you know? Yeah. There's a Maria Shriver quote that says, you don't know profound joy until you know profound pain. And I'm like learning more and more just how much they are truly connected. I love because, it. Because, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's wild. I love it so much. And so, how has it been? We are talking about the disassociation. So, you're moving through that now, where it's like, have you found this where it's like now it's like a different level of happiness where like it's a little bit uncomfortable too, where you're like, can I be this happy? <laughs> Well, I think my happiness has changed so much. And so has my definition of love. It's, um, it's, it feels more grounded and there's grief in that too. Cause I don't, I don't, I've just changed so much. I don't know if the same, and this is something I don't know. This is a big question mark, but sometimes I wonder like, is that same level of enchantment and lightness and, um, you know, just like that freedom and fleeting glee, like that of, of love and, you know, of all those good feelings, is that still accessible to me? Mm. I don't know. Like, I, I feel like it's like a more, it's a deeper and a richer, more dynamic feeling, I guess, that holds that duality. Like, I guess it's like happiness and love with the knowing that all of this can be gone in like a minute, if that makes sense. And so it just, I think sometimes we get stuck 
or we make ourselves wrong again because we we think that these experiences might feel the same that they used to. And I don't think that they do because when you go through something super traumatic like a loss, part of the post-traumatic growth is that you your entire belief system is rocked to your core and you're forced to kind of look at the world through a whole new lens. And I think it literally touches every single part of your human experience. So yeah, it's just, I like, yes, I feel it. And it's, it's just different now. It's not better or worse. It's just, I don't know. It's maybe more profound, I guess mm. <laughs> that makes sense. I don't know if you feel the same way. Yeah, but no, I honestly, good. this is like what I'm currently working through. Right. So it's, I've noted, like, I believe in magic. I, I say these things, right? And I live them. I am a very ecstatic person. I'm like, blah, blah, blah. I'm like literally a chicken nugget all the freaking time. Like I get way too excited. <laughs> I live my life on the edges because I'm like, this could be gone, you know, so fast. Like, uh, you know, my mom passed by, by falling down a flight of stairs because of an addict death, like accidental fall. But like, mm -hmm. it goes quick. What the fuck? Like I can fall down a flight of stairs. Like that is on my mind where I'm like, I want to have as much life within my lifetime. But I'm also realizing, and I was actually journaling on this for the last few days where it's like, I get excited and I don't let myself feel things fully because I'm afraid that they won't actually succeed or they'll be ripped away from me. So it's yeah. like, I'm still so happy. And this has been like, I went to a conference like two weekends ago and that's what kind of landed where it was like, oh, wow, that's an interesting edge because it's like, I thought you'd you feel know, that so much. Right? Like, you know yeah. how quick life is going and I'm going to be a little bit protected. So it's like, I'm standing on the edge, but I'm not actually leaping over the edge, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is where the magic that I want lies. And I, I know, that. and then my brain is like, but what if, you know, we fall on our heart and no one catches it? What if we get rejected and abandoned again? What if they leave, you know? And it's like, because like, yeah. can you really handle that? And it's like, rationally, well, of course, but like the brain and the subconscious is like, no, let's protect you, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's the growth. And I think, I, I mean, I feel that so much and I, that's the growth. And I think that's the depth because before our losses, and we were a lot younger too, right? Like when I first fell in love, I was 18 years old. Um, you know, it's like, it comes with a level of naivety and just like, it's easier to just allow your heart to soar and your feet to never touch the ground because you're young and that's what you should be doing. Right. Like, or not, I don't know. I don't want to show on us, but like, that's just what, that's how it goes. Right. Like as you move from, I mean, for me, I've been also been doing work around like maiden, like archetype, like maiden into motherhood, into crone, right? Like the, what is it called? Like the, um, the yeah. goddess symbol, yeah, the, yeah. it's just like the, yeah, like that's the feminine path or, um, at least archetype or at least through, um, archetypes. And so, yeah, like naturally we're going to come down to earth a little bit more sink in. It's going to be harder to take those risks because we know what the consequences are and, yeah, that's, that's, that's where the growth occurs. And that's the challenge. And I totally feel you. That's where the magic happens is like in knowing exactly what you have to lose and that you can be hurt and then still doing it anyways. Mm -hmm. And it, it's like seeing it and you're like, yeah, sure. And I see this like now that I'm dating again, where it's like, oh, I have experienced the relationship loss that like ripped me to shreds, right? Like I was like, what the fuck just happened? And it brought me to my knees and all the kind of things. And also now dating, I can see my brain being like, no, like it's okay. And like, it wants to protect and like me <laughs> with that, like mothering being like, baby girl, we already fell on our heart and it got ripped away. We needed to learn that lesson. Unfortunately, because that's the subconscious programming, right? Like our brains are yeah. always going to be how you were talking about, like your brain's cute, like cute protection brain, like good job there. <laughs> but like your brain's always protecting you. So I always had this fear of like, I'm unlovable. I can't love like that again, da, 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 all the kind of things. And so love got ripped away from me because I had to learn that lesson of standing again, because it's like, you still had that belief. So you needed to yeah. that you will fall and you will rise. And that's the way, like, I see that in business. I see that in health. I see that in like relationships where it's like, it's so true. It's sitting there and being like, no, your brain will always go towards the fear. It will always go towards the fear. So if we're always afraid of like, it's not going to work out. It's like, well, you're, it's already not working out because you're not leaping over that edge because you're afraid of it not being yep. like this weird conundrum in the brain. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know it's really frustrating. And I feel like it's the same thing with the wall. Like I've had to really, it's like, 
we, our society moves so quickly, right? Like you go on your phone, you can buy something and have it shipped to your house in less than a week. And it's like grief work, healing work, business, love, like all of these things are super, super slow. And so, you know, awareness is the start owning it, naming it. Cause once you, you own it, then, then it's like, okay, you can change it. Right. But another thing that I love, I have such a great therapist. She's like, you know, she's like, well, Emily, like, is dynamite ever a good way to go, you know, with like, is that, is that the way you want to get down your wall? And I was like, no, probably not. Like you you don't want to blow it up. Right. So it is, it's, it's slow. It's intentional. And just, it's, it's incredible what you can do, I think, to make these internal shifts. Like, you can, you are so capable of change. And I was thinking about it on my run this morning, you know, in our mastermind, we talk a lot about like manifestation, like you can manifest anything. And you, sometimes I actually have a little bit of a struggle with like some of the woo and the magic. And I want to be there, but I think some of me is like, so like, wait, but that I, 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 I feel like I lost some of that after I lost Ian, but, um, it is based in science too. Like that's like, neuroplasticity of your brain. If you change the way you think, you can change the way you feel, you change your freaking reality and you're creating these new grooves in your brain, right? Like these are the patterns. These are all of the things that um, sound woo, but they actually are happening in reality, in science. And I just think, I just think that's so cool. So it's so true because then you also start to take different actions with then changes the way that you show up, which changes the way that things come into your life. And it's like, Oh, right. Cause I have the same thing. I have like apprehensions against the woo. I, I feel like I believe in magic, but I also lost it. You know, that's exactly. Like, yes. Like, like, ah. I used to believe I was a wizard. And now I like continually say like, I'm a wizard. Like we do. <laughs> I'm like getting behind it. But it's like, cause I mean, we are in a world that is quite woo. And I'm like, but what's the strategy? How do I, I know. how do I do it? And I'm like, damn it. Like, what is this conundrum we live in? Yeah, exactly. And I'm wanting, I'm really, really wanting to expand my capacity back into the magic too. I just think I've also, I think once I grieve it fully, then and I don't know if there's such a thing as like grieving it fully, but I think it's all like connected. Um, once I've, I, I've been able to allow my wall to come back, to come down and to let more love in, the more that I accept the fact that Ian's dead and that his loss, like, was the tragedy that it was, right? Like, which sounds so weird. Like we think that by suppressing it and making it go away, then we might be able to open our heart more. But I think it's the opposite. It's in the acknowledgement of it and being like, wow, this was really horrible that I'm actually, that my heart is in like, okay, accepting it, releasing it, moving it through. And now like, let's let's open up a little bit more to let some new love in. Yeah. And it's, and it's bringing that love with you, like how lucky it is to have a seed that's planted, right. To show you the type of love that's achievable. So it's like, if not this, something better, you know? And so it's like planting that seed and opening that up and being like, Oh, but I also had this like weird fear. Tell me if you have this fear. And I feel like (laughs) it can't be the only one that it's like, if I allow love in, in a different capacity, therefore I'm then erasing the love that we had. And it's like holding then onto this like lens of the past because then it's like well if I let that go then 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 what does that mean you know the significance of it is gone and now I'm like navigating this like lens of like no I can keep that active and alive and like let that actually be the guiding light and hold both like it's it's that love and then everything else is now on top of it and it's like building on top of that but it's like this weird thing that I've noticed in my brain being like I'll forget I'll forget you and I, I don't want to because that means Yeah. So I love this question and the way, so I actually created a course for widows wanting to date because it's really tricky because, and I I don't know how it is. Like, it'll be interesting to hear your perspective because you're talking about like a breakup, right? Mm -hmm. Like a breakup by choice. And maybe like, that's why choice is always interesting because you're either the one choosing to leave or the one being the left and you don't have a choice in that necessarily. But for, for grief, as in the death of a person, of a loved one, where you didn't have a choice at hand, the way that you heal, right, is not by moving on, not by disconnecting, not by letting go. It's by moving forward and carrying the love for that person with you as you integrate this loss and and move forward. They become a part of who you are and everything that you do, right? So 
What's interesting, I think, about partner loss and very specific and so freaking hard to navigate if you want partnership is like, you lost your mom, right? So say you're dating someone and they come over and you have pictures of your mom up, right? You have belongings that make you remind you of her. That's pretty standard and they probably understand that. Well, when I have pictures of my late husband up on the walls and like little things like jewelry that I wear that reminds me of him, my current boyfriend is like, whoa, like am I competing with a ghost? And so I have to do a lot of education with them around like why these reminders don't mean that I'm actively in love, you know, it's that I am carrying that love forward with me. And so the way that I like to think, or I have to explain this <laughs> to partners and the way that it makes sense for me in my mind is like, yes, our heart has the capacity to hold so much love. Like you don't just love one child, right? Like our love is boundless. Our heart, it can expand and it's, um, we can hold both. And so I, I think it gets a little bit tricky though, at least for me, like when I started comparing being like, oh, well, I really like, you know, how so-and-so does this, but Ian really did it better and, or whatever. Right. So what I've had to do is I imagine like the love in my heart, it's, it's there like for, with Ian it's, and that's my late husband. It's there. It's almost there in the form of like gratitude. Um, and it's, it's never going to leave. And what I've had to do is release the attachment to that story. That love story ended in his death. I've grieved the future story of what that could have been for us, all of our shared dreams, our hopes, you know, what our family would have been. And that has been painful. That's part of the work that I, that you have to do when you're healing. Right. But like, I am letting go of that. I'm not letting go of the love. The love will always be there in the form that he is so integrated into everything that I do. I mean, I would not be dating somebody new if Ian hadn't died and that experience hadn't made me the woman who I had become today. Right. So he's always right there and same with you, right? Like your past heart heartbreak and breakups have made you the Laura who you are today, which is why you are dating the person that is sitting across the table with you at dinner or whatever it may be. Right. Um, so I do, I've had to do the work on like letting go, releasing the attachment to the story and that love still gets to come with me. Mm, I love that. And it's the question that I asked you was based off of, have you ever watched the show Modern Love? Uh-uh. Okay. So it's on, I believe it's Amazon Prime. And so there was an episode where she has a late husband and okay. it's like relationship between her and the car. And like, that's, she goes on the drive in the car. She has a new husband now and she goes on the drive in the car and she like talks to her late husband in the car. And it's like this whole dynamic. And she thought she had to have both, right? Like she couldn't bring the fact that she was missing her late husband to her current husband. And like the car was the symbol of her late husband. And so it was this whole dynamic in the way that her current husband met her in that moment. Of uh -huh. You can have like, your heart is so like, if I just get like a piece of your heart, that's good enough for me. Like, and like, you have so much love inside of you and like witnessing that that's where it was. The question came from where it's like loving that person so fully and right. It's, it's again, how the body works, right? Like the brain will always, or the body will always feel an emotion and the brain wants to create a narrative around that. But what you're kind of saying and correct me if I'm wrong, it's like, yeah, you're just feeling the emotion. You're not right. You no longer have the narrative of what that means. Of like he is still there, and this is this active competition going on. It's yeah. like no, no, no. It's just the emotion of love, and I'm right. in that emotion of love, and therefore I can have both. Like that. That's the glorious thing about life. Now it's like you get to experience love in so many more capacities at so many yeah. different calibers and different rates and things like that. And what's hard, though, I think, is like yes, I totally agree with you, and. Um, I think that's another way of really putting it is like, yeah, I, I, I released the story and like, I'm just in the emotion. I, I still struggle with men, <laughs> new relationships to get people, to get them to understand that it's yeah. really hard. Like they, you have to find someone who's really, really confident, secure, emotionally intelligent, um, and doesn't feel threatened by that, that love that you're sharing. 
Yeah. Do you think like right now it's kind of just those learning stages for you where it's like now it's learning how you are dating and like what it is for you and how you respond to it and things like that? Or is it gotten to the point where it's like, no, like I'm ready for the love story and this is how I am. And also what was the evolution of that? If the latter? Yeah. Yeah. So I, oh God, dating has been <laughs> crazy. Like I, I recently am now just entering back into conversations with my ex. Um, and I feel like I am ready and I'm so scared to even say that. Like, I'm, I feel like I'm ready for like love and relationship, like really like putting two feet in and going for it. Um, I'll tell you about the evolution so you can kind of understand how I've gotten to this point. But I first started dating six months after my husband passed away. And I was really surprised by how soon that fell. I actually wanted to start at four. Like I, there was a hot guy at a bar and I was like, oh, I want to make out. And my friend like pulled me away. And I actually was kind of, I was actually, I mean, I understand that she was trying to save me from making a mistake, but I was like, you know, I'm doing the air quotes because who's to say if it's a mistake? Like I was just, grief does a lot of different things to you. And like, you feel this void and sometimes we want to fill it with intimacy, with affection, with being close to someone. There's nothing wrong with that. So I started dating because I was craving that intimacy. I wanted to go out on a date get dressed up, have someone like look at me and desire me. Like Ian had been sick for a really long time. So, um, and I was really lonely. So I started dating. I, um, it was a really wonderful distraction. I ended up dating someone for three months who gave me all the butterflies, all the thrills. I was like, oh my gosh, this is my person. This is my ticket out of tragedy. And then boom, dumped me via text message, like three, um, right before my first Christmas without my husband and it was like ripping the freaking band-aid off the real wound which was my husband's death but it was like grief upon grief and it was really really hard but I'm so grateful for the experience because it forced me to really like be like okay you need to be with your emotions you need to feel the grief of your husband's death and so that's what I did and then I dated somebody else um you know a couple months after that was, it's been so interesting, Laura. I'm trying to like condense this because we could go on and on and on. But I think that the next relationship was really about me trying to fill a void of a father figure because, and I was really trying to force it. Like my body was responding with anxiety. Like this isn't right. This isn't right. But I was like, no, but he's perfect. Like, look at all the boxes. He checks them all. And, um, I, I took it to about like the eight month mark. And I was like, I can't do this. I, and I ended it and um, took some time off. And then I've had a third relationship uh, that I ended back in May because I got that same anxiety. But this one, I actually felt love. Like I felt like I was absolutely in love again. There was depth, there was connection. Um, and, but what the reason I got the anxiety again is because I feel like the wall, it just wouldn't let it all in. So I took four, another four months off and now I am just, um, back in communications with him, trying to figure out like, if this is something that we really want to do. Um, I think, you know, you ask yourself, is it, it's either a me thing or it's a them thing. And the more that I've like really sat with this is like, I look at all the different ways that we are compatible. There are no like real deal, deal, deal breakers. And the, you know, you look at the, the things that you really value in a partner and they're all there, um, the feelings there. So the only thing that's stopping me is the fear. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I'm saying this again with a question mark, cause I'm still kind of just exploring this for myself and getting curious about it. And I think that that's okay. Um, but that's kind of where I am in my dating journey. Mm, thank you for letting us into your heart on that. <laughs> I feel like that's so beneficial because you don't know, right? Like the thing of loss in any type of capacity is there is no fucking step-by-step -step plan. So it's like, no. maybe you're making out at a bar. Like I like to do this thing where I'm like, I don't know, there's like these inner in-between boyfriend things that I'm like, I could never have any like actual depth with you, but like, I need like an in-between boyfriend until I can actually deal with the grief of this one. Like I need this in-between partner. For like they know, like I openly communicate to them. I'm like, I just need to be fucked. Okay, let's go. And, like, and I need you to take me on dates too. Cause I also don't fuck around. And they're like, what? 
And I'm like, you have to take me to nice places and fuck me silly. Let's go. And then, <laughs> it, like, and, and then it is. And then I hit a stage where then I'm like, and now I'm ready to heal, you know? And it's like, and now I can sit in there where it's like, sometimes it's not sitting in the grief, whether it is a breakup, whether it's a loss. And I'm not comparing the two because they're fucking greatly different. And I understand that, but it's like, there is no game plan. Like anyone that's listening to this when it's like, what's the time frame? Oh, she said four months and then six months. And here we right. go. It could be 10 fucking years. Like who knows? Like yeah. it's when you're ready. And like, also mind you, you're going to fall on your face a hundred times. You're going to fall. You're going to realize you're triggered. You're going to be activated. They're going to be activated. It's this ping pong match of activation that sits there. And it's when you finally, what it sounds like to me is you got to the space where it's like, let me actually do this healing so that I'm available. I became like, it sounds like to me, the phrase I always yes. say, is like becoming a match to your match. We're like, let me actually do this healing so that I can actually see this through the lens of the present moment instead of the lens of my past. Yeah. And then I can sit in this. I totally feel that where it's like, huh? Okay now let me move through this with, you know, a bit more understanding and a bit more self-awareness so that there can be a cultivation of love adding on top of a love that was already there. You know what I mean? I totally, totally resonate with that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's what I did these past four months. Like I didn't date. I really just focused on myself. I wanted to be like really clear, like about my why, like, what what is this all about? Like, why am I even dating right now? There is no urgency. I have two kids. I'm fine. Um, and you know, I ended up getting a puppy. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> that was, that was like, that, that was my, like my boyfriend, the in-between boyfriend was my puppy. I kind of feel that but I think like one of the wounds that has been really hard for me is the loss of the family dynamic. Mm-hmm. Like that's a secondary loss, which is like all the invisible losses, right? Besides your primary loss. And um, so the puppy just kind of helped us. I'm like looking at her. Um, she just helped us me feel like, oh, this is like our little unit right now, right? And I don't need a guy to complete us. Like, and it just so that the healing work I did over the past four months, and like you said, there is no timeline. Like it just made me feel, it made me feel more whole. It made my family and I feel more whole. And I feel like, you know it took away the urgency of finding somebody else so that I can date from a place of abundance and desire as opposed to lack and need, which is so nice. And, um, you know, just doing all of the work that I've done with my therapist, um, in terms of just really trying to accept my husband's death mm. and sitting in the tragedy of it has allowed that wall to kind of come down. Cause it's like, Oh, like I can like you said earlier, like I can go into this darkness and still be okay. And so it's like, I'm expanding in both directions into the love, into the celebration, into the joy and into the pain and the grief and the just shit, shit, shit of this experience. (laughs) Even saying that I felt it like right in my heart, like open up. I was like, Whoa, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I feel that for you for sure. (laughs) So what do you feel like has been, if someone's fucking in it right now like what is the thing that you wish people knew about Mm. the transition of grieving to moving through it like what's the one thing that you wish they knew I wish people knew that it's actually and we talked about this in in our mastermind recently it's it's in the act of turning into the pain as opposed to turning away from it that you find the healing. And I wish that people knew that by, it, it's scary to do this alone. So I think number one is finding a community who can hold you through that experience to remind you that as you go into the pain, that all of your feelings are normal you know, they're valid. It's okay to feel this way. Your grief is not a burden. You're not doing anything wrong. I think that's huge. They can be your lifeline. Um, so finding a community to help you go into the pain where you can show up and say, I am struggling. I don't want to live. I don't want to go on like this anymore and to not be judged for it, but to just have that witnessed is so huge. And it's like, when we, when we pull these things, these scary things out of the darkness and into the light, that's when we release their power over us. But if we just let them sit there and fester and, you know, slowly creep into our bodies and subconsciously take over all of the thoughts and behaviors that we 
um, you know, in how we live our life, then it just gets buried and buried and buried. And it's going to come up in some other way. How could it not? love is a force grief is a force they're all connected they're bigger than us so for us to think that we can just run away from it and deny it it's like it's denying such a major part of your your experience as a human so my yeah my piece of advice is it's scary as hell and how can you find safety to lean into it to lean into the suck that was one of my favorite lines from Sheryl Sandberg's option b um, lean into the suck because that's how you release its power over you. Yeah. I love that. And so what, when, like, cause I can even feel it. Like I'm like back in the moment of like my mom and the confusion and the anger and the not, not even knowing how, like, I remember like journaling, yeah. like, like, I know I want to, like, I remember like reading, I actually just said this in my master class where I was like, I remember re- like, I can read my journals where I'm like, I just punched my brother in the face. I'm on my way to Asia. Like, I'm so angry. I'm fucking everything up. Like, I want to change. I want to change. And it was the intention of it. And yet it took me two years to actually change. You know, for anyone that's feeling that kind of fear, how do you help them lean into the suck and find a safety within that? Right. Well, I would, and I'm not trying to like, toot my own horn or like your horn too, but there are people out there that can absolutely guide you. Like asking for help is not a crime. It doesn't, it's not a sign of weakness. It's not, there's nothing wrong with you, but like turning to someone who's walked through a similar experience is huge because they can give you tools. Like there are tools that are going to help you. Like you said, like I was punching my brother, regulate your nervous system to help you get back into your zone of, um, what is it? Regulation where you're not, off the charts. And I mean, a lot of this is all nervous system stuff, right? So, um, talking to a therapist, finding some sort of a guide who can just help you give you these tools to help you bring it back in so that you can get to a clear and connected state of mind. Um, because the, the analogy I always use, cause I'm a mom in my groups is that like, Try reasoning with a freaking toddler who's having a temper tantrum. They are deregulated, right? They can't, they they don't understand you. They're going off the wall. They're crying. They're on the floor. They're punching it. They're going nuts, right? And if you're like, okay, you know, I really didn't like how you treated your sister there. They're not going to hear a damn thing. So it's the same thing with adults. It's like... (laughs) We need to learn how to regulate our nervous system. And I don't know how the fuck to do that. Like, I didn't know how to do that. You know, when I first started out, like I know now, but these, so if that's why I say like, talk to someone, that's the first step, ask for help. And it's also like witnessing that fear, like, yes, because I also know the fear of like, I don't want to fucking talk about it. I remember when I like went yeah. to my um, fucking therapist and she was talking because I was in a domestically violent relationship, i.e. reliving my trauma with my mother. Um, and wanting that out. And she was like, we have to talk about your past. And I was like, fuck all that. And I never went back. Um, because you have to also be ready for that. So it's like, fine. It's so true. That's it. really it's true. Like, Cause like, that's something in my programming. I always talk, I'm like, I don't really talk about your past. Like, I don't find it as beneficial. I did. I do think it is beneficial, but I think that is already a very field where it's like that's why I had to stop going to Al-Anon in fucking Coda because I was like I'm fine and then I come in here and I'm lit up like a fucking Christmas tree and I'm activated because I'm thinking about an ex that I'm no longer with and I'm thinking about my dead mom and I'm like I don't want to be here anymore so it's like there are people out there for everyone and I wish I would have known that back in the day where I was like oh people like granted most people do want to talk about your origin story but it's like there yeah. are other people out there where it's like more so getting safe in the present to build resiliency for the future. And then you can touch your origin story. Like I, if you're feeling like, I don't want to fucking look at my past, you don't have to. There's people out there that will work with you for the present moment as well. Well, yeah. And I think for me, like I've had to really be clear about my boundaries as like a coach and like a therapist. And I know that my work as a coach, which is right, like holding someone in the space they are into where they're going. This is more about like, how do we deal with the grief in the present? How do we move forward? How do we rebuild your life as opposed to bringing up all of the the old stuff? And like, I totally agree with you, Laura. Like I didn't go into like childhood stuff until like much later, probably like two years after Ian's death, because I think these experiences, like the loss of a mom, like the loss of a husband, they are like the, there. that's the rupture. 
this is the beautiful breaking where you're broken open. And it's like, as you start to put back the pieces um, and as you, you can build to normal or you can build something stronger, right? And I think that we can build a stronger foundation when we have that better understanding of the past. But when you're there standing in the fucking rubble, it's like, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit about my childhood wounds. Like I just want to wake up and not, yeah, like want to go punch my child. <laughs> That's <laughs> terrible. Right. But like, I've got to get my shit together. <laughs> like I am putting out fires everywhere. <laughs> so okay. yeah, it's like, let's, that's such a great point. <laughs> but that's the difference. I think people, like, when you're going through grief, it's more so like, well, I feel like I can't get help because I don't want to look at the past yet. And that's usually the, the difference between therapy and coaching or mentoring, right? Yes. Like, like therapy yeah. is where you go for that fucking origin story. You go for the EMDR. They take you to the past. They do the things that you need. They're fucking fantastic. Hire your best therapist. <laughs> Emily seems to have a great one. I might have to get her number. Um, oh and, it's God, also yes. like, and it's also like dating. Like you're never going to find the first therapist. I mean, maybe you will. I never say never, but like it's fucking dating. Like the amount of therapists I went through until I found the one that I actually healed with. Actually, her name was Emily, um, was bananas. But like, don't give up on the fact if someone doesn't feel right, right. you actually have to continue sitting through those meetings just because she's a, a therapist. No. Like, doesn't I have a boyfriend. Like, don't do that. Like, <laughs> I went to my first therapist that I saw after my husband's death. Basically, I started crying when I told her my story. And I was like, I don't need this. I don't need anyone who's going to make me feel like more of a victim than I already do. So, and then I went to another one, worked with her for a while. And then it was the third time that I actually found someone and it was through a friend who, um, I really like, but yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. Yeah. I literally, one of my therapists after uh, my rape when I was 19, I literally just got up and left. (laughs) I was like, I'm out. She hand wrote me a letter being like you like I'm so sorry whatever and I was like it's just not the fucking vibe like I don't want to talk about it yet I'm out please stop like because it was court not court yeah court mandated or school implemented whatever the fuck it was and I was like I don't want to like how can you force that on someone but again how you said it's like my friend said I have to go to therapy it's like find the one that works for you yes I should I didn't know that yeah. I was 19 years old I didn't know that I could like go around and find different ones I was like why are they filming me? What is this place? Yeah. This sucks. I feel crazy. I'm out. Like I'm fucking out. Like this is Laura. I think that's so courageous of you, and just like such a testament to the like person who you are to be able to say like no, to be able to lay that boundary and to trust your own intuition. Like something I really try to harp on in in any of my programs is like if you're not ready to hear something if you're not ready to do something, then don't do it. Like you are truly your best guide. Like I work in a lot in groups. So people are at all different stages. So I'm like, Hey, I might say something that feels really triggering for you. Like if you're not ready to hear this reframe, then don't, it doesn't make you wrong. Just like trust that it's there. It's a tool that you can use like later, but you don't need to go there right now. And same with pain. Like, yes, like you can't heal what you don't feel, of course. And at the same time, like you said, like you have to feel safe. You have to be ready. You have to have coping me- mechanisms to go in there. Because if you're constantly getting triggered and deregulated, then what is the freaking point? You're not going to get any of the healing from that. So like, like, my, like my therapist said, don't plunder the defenses, right? Like they are there for a reason. And so it's like with the awareness, we can we can see where the wall is. We can start to notice if we're just constantly avoiding and suppressing, but like, we need those. Those are tools that serve us too. We can't be in pain all the time. When I talk about grief work, I say you are, we have to, you have two tasks after someone dies, grief fully and live fully. And so it's like, you're almost, if you can imagine yourself like on this road and then you have like the world of grief and the world of life, you're kind of like oscillating between the two. Some days you're going to be a little bit more in your grief, doing the healing, doing the pain in the darkness. And then other days you're going to be going to work. You're going to be taking your kids to school. You're going to be dating. You're going to be moving forward. Right. And I think the further away you get from your loss, the more intentional you are with it, these worlds begin to integrate and they don't feel so just like, Oh my God, like, how am I supposed to do this? Um, But I think, yeah, all of like, it's like trusting in yourself is like the biggest, I think that would be my biggest piece of advice. And it's so hard to do after a loss because your entire, your sense of confidence has just been entirely rocked. 
You're like, I don't even know who I am. My entire world looks different now. How am I? And so we do, we look outside of ourselves for the answers to people to tell us how we should be doing things. And they don't fucking know. They don't like only, <laughs> only you truly know. So I just want to celebrate you for, for that. I love you. And it's so true. It's your body will tell you. And sometimes our mind will sit there and be like, no, because you do have to know the difference. Am I disassociating in it? And, and honestly, I do this thing too, where I'm like, I'm actively disassociating now. Netflix right. on. But like, like, it's like, I'm like, but it's a choice because it's having that self-awareness that again, this is where the self-awareness comes in, which is hard. It, right. It's hard in the yeah. beginning stages of grief because you're just, your critical thinking is- But that's, but that's the thing. Like, like I'm, not, I'm not making my disassociation wrong. Like yeah. I look at it and I was like, it was a trauma response. Thank God it was there. I needed my body to do that to protect me. Like I wouldn't have been able to be a mom. I wouldn't have been able to show up for my two kids. Like I needed to do other things. And so it's like, it happened and it's okay. And now I- know and like you said now I have the awareness yeah um and it still comes like it's, it's one of those things like it's been eight years it's coming up on eight years with my mom where it's like yo these months between September and Christmas it's like this like weird gremlin that comes through my body yeah. and, it, <laughs> and the older I get the younger she feels right and then it's like I'm starting to think about like okay when I have kids and it's like I've always did the disassociating part with my mother where it's like I'll deal with this when I have kids because I know that's when it's going to sting the most and then my body five years ish later was like no bitch now like we're not gonna do that <laughs> when you have kids that sounds like a horrible idea like do it now what do you mean like but I know it will hit in those times even more strong because it's like how do you raise kids without your mother? You know, it's like one of these things where it's like, oh, you know, but it's like also over time, because you leaned in and you fell in your heart, you have the tools and it doesn't yeah. mean it doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean time heals. This wound will never be healed. It just, you have better, I don't know. You see it from a third party, I guess. Like you're like sitting there and just kind of witnessing and being like, okay, what do I need today? how do yeah. I get to mother myself in this? How do I get to be there? And like, granted, you do sometimes have to disassociate. You have a job, you have a business, you have family, like you got to do shit. Right. And then you and also get to come home and be like, I call it burrito days where you literally wrap yourself in all of your blankets. And then you sit there and you watch the saddest movie you will ever watch and you cry. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> then you move on. And honestly, my ability to do that has been largely um, due to therapy and to the mentors who I work with, to the coaches who I work with. Right. And I, I think they both, like, I personally see so much value in both in going into the past, digging up the, digging up all the shit. And then like my coaches and my mentors are the people who help me integrate, who hold me accountable, who challenge my limiting beliefs. And are like, no, I'm like, you know, you're not like, don't let that old pattern come back, like expand into that celebration. Right. And so, yeah, I think it's, and then being a part of communities too, where everyone is going through the same thing, whether it's in grief, in business, in love and life, like it's huge. It's been so supportive. I love it. I love what we do for this world. And I love what you yes. And I'm <laughs> just obsessed. So is there it's any last minute things you want to leave our community with? Um, one thing that has just been supportive for me, um, in my work as an entrepreneur lately, and I guess just in rebuilding my life after a loss is I have this written on my, on a sticky note on my computer. So a powerful question is, um, you know, how can I desire what I already have? And that's been just really supportive for me. So I'll leave you with that. So you can look around at all of the all of the things that you already do have in the wake of loss, whatever that means for you. And yeah, create your life from a place of abundance and gratitude. It's much, oh, it feels so much better on the nervous system. <laughs> no, it's like a hug. It's a hug to the nervous system. It's a hug. I love, that. I love, I love it. that. Where can my people come and land on your heart on the interwebs? Oh my gosh. Yes. I share my heart like crazy. I was on a date the other um, week and I was like he asked me for my last name and I was like just you know be prepared because you're oh, gonna yeah. get every time you're, gonna get you're, get media, you're like you're like oh fuck like I just posted about my rape and I was like oh fuck okay and my friends are like but you're dating and I was like 
Yeah. <laughs> You're going to get to know me really well. Literally, my, the guy I'm seeing now, like we went out on our first date. He's like, you just ignored me when I asked for your Instagram. Cause I just continued on with the conversation. Like when we were texting, I was like, no. And I usually don't <laughs> give it to the person until we've at least been on one date. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I want you to know me first before you see that. And I explained it. And then he started to look and he was like, got it. So cool. Tell me more. And I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel. I'm like, oh God. Um, okay. So anyways, <laughs> um, I am on Instagram, Emily P. Bingham. And then TikTok is Emily underscore moves through underscore grief. Um, those are my two main main spaces and then move through grief.com. So perfect. I will put that all in the show notes. Yes, yes. She brings to the world. Thank you. Like I always say before uh, I go on these you, things, Laura. I'm like, I have no idea where this is gonna go, but I loved all of this. I think the community <laughs> thrive with it. You're so beautiful, you're so wonderful, you're so knowledgeable. So thank you. Oh, so thanks, girl. Thanks, Laura. This was fun. I loved it. You I, I learned a lot today here too. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> all right, my loves. How was that? for you. If you know anyone that this could land on their heart and they're needing to hear these words, make sure that you share it with them. And I love to hear your reflections and the reviews on this and make sure you subscribe for every every week we have a new episode. And if you feel called to go and follow Emily, like I said, that's at Emily P. Bingham. I almost said dot com. <laughs> um, it's at Emily P. Bingham. And I'll put that in the show notes. And you can follow us um, our podcast one is Healing to Happy, Healing T.O. Happy. My personal one is It's Laura Patricia Martin, ITS Laura Patricia Martin, where I really get you in on all the things and I make sure that you know what's going on in our world over there. So coming out and you will see all the goodies and I will see you in the next episode. I love you. Happy healing.